Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We're talking about repentance and restoration this morning, and we have been for the last, this will be the third week, uh, and this is, an, this is a topic that can't be emphasized enough. I find that some people think of repentance as a scary word, and they shy away from it because they hear the old-time preaching, and the old-time preaching is pretty good. Jesus preached, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? Jesus preached uh, repentance for forgiveness of your sin. So it's a, it's a huge deal for those of you that may not know Jesus yet. If you are living without Christ as your personal one and only Savior, you need to repent. Turn around toward God and put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, for the salvation of your soul, so that you can become a child of God and walk with Him for the rest of your life. You need to repent. Simply means to turn your mind. This is my way, this is God's way, and I want to walk with God. Now, believers, um, I think sometimes we get the impression that repentance is only preached to those who, who may not know Jesus yet, right? We, we think that's, a, that's something that we preach to those who have not yet come to Christ, uh, but repentance in the, in the New Testament is, is used more toward the believer than it is toward the unbeliever. So our lives are supposed to be lives typified by repentance. We're supposed to be constantly turning our minds to God, constantly challenging ourselves to see if we're walking. Uh-oh. Oh. Just blew a few brain cells there. See if we're walking out of his will or in his will. Sometimes we think about sin, right? We think about sin in our lives and we think, oh, well, if I'm going and getting drunk every night, that well, that's clearly a sin. I need to repent of that. I shouldn't be doing that. Uh, and, and then we miss the importance of walking in line with his will. Like, we may not be getting drunk every night. We may not be... Uh, going to strip clubs every night. We may not be um, cussing out our neighbor every night. We not, may not be stealing from our employer. We may not be doing these things, but our, our life, our walk may be out of will. It may be out of the will of God. It may be out of alignment with God, right? So when you call a pastor someday, um, you're going to look at the qualifications of a pastor, and, and, and when that time comes, we're going to drill that into you even more than we already have. And, and one, of the, one, of the, one of the qualifications for a pastor is not self-willed, not self-willed. That means a pastor needs to be in alignment with the will of God. Now, that's obviously vital 
for a leader of a local church that he is in alignment with God, is it not? Well, the, the interesting thing about the qualifications of a, of a pastor is that they're the same qualifications for you to be mature believers in Christ. It's not like we're like, oh, that's just for the pastor. Uh, that's for all of us. That's for all of us. All they're really saying, all God is really saying is when you choose a pastor, you need to choose someone that is mature in the faith. And here's how you can tell. And they give you a list. And among that list is not self-willed. And so when we talk about taking up our cross, denying ourselves and following Jesus, we're not talking about not going to the movies and not going to amusement parks or whatever you may think in your stoic idea of what following Jesus is. What we're talking about is, Lord, your will over mine. Your will over mine. Okay? Um, and so we, we bring him into every aspect of our lives. We talked about the powerful path of repentance two weeks ago, and, and I want to encourage you, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, go to youtube.com slash Emmanuel Hooks It. Find these sermons and watch them. I think it's a tremendous blessing that God has, has given us in this day and age that we can hear a sermon and then go back and hear it again. Watch it again, especially from your pastor, because these sermons are crafted for this church. Did you realize that? You're a part of this church family. When the Lord is leading me into series and sermons, He's doing it because He knows who's here. Right? Now you can listen to Mike Goff's sermon from one church down the street. And Mike Goff is one of my very close personal friends. I love Mike. But the sermon series that God is prepping for one church are meant for one church, their church as are the sermons that are brought here. Now, can you benefit from listening to them? Of course you can. You can benefit from listening to Chuck Swindoll. He's one of my favorites. You can benefit. Um, but you need to hear your message. And sometimes you need to hear it more than once. I know I do. <laughs> Preach, I will. So go back. Read Psalm 51. Follow the powerful path of repentance. I'm not going to go through all of those things here. If you have the Bible app, by the way, I think I did list them. Is it, oh, is it live? I hope it is. It is, thank you, yeah. I didn't check, I just did it, and I'm like, eh. And then we talked about last week, worldly sorrow versus godly grief. Worldly sorrow versus godly grief. And we kind of camped on this here a little bit, that sometimes we wallow, right? We wallow when we fail, when we fall, when we're out of alignment, and we're corrected, and we find out that we failed and then we stay there. We don't deserve forgiveness. What's wrong with you? You're a mess. What an idiot. What was I thinking? And we stay in this negative space when God says, come unto me. Come back to me. Draw near to me. Right? We, we, just, we end up staying there. We stay away from him because I think sometimes we want to pay for our own sin. We want to pay our own debt. We need to beat ourselves up enough so that we can be forgiven or so we can forgive ourselves. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But worldly sorrow leads to death and at least to several other things. And we listed those last week. But godly grief leads to repentance, not to be repented of. It leads to a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior and change of direction. Right? And so we want godly grief. Certainly we need it. Certainly sometimes when we're so so 
so bent down, we make light of sin. We make light of sin. And then we get numb to it. And when you get numb to it, you just stay there. And you need to repent. We're going to talk about that just now, actually. James chapter 4. Turn to James chapter 4 if you have your Bibles. James chapter 4 if you have your Bible or Bible app. And I would suggest that if you don't have the Bible app and you're not bringing your Bible, why? (laughs) Right? You're at church. Bring your Bible. Bring your Bible app. Take notes. Highlight. How many of you have ADHD here? Raise your hand. I have ADHD. I'm going to put both hands up because I have like A-A-D-D-H-H-D-D. And you know one thing that I, I find to be incredibly helpful for me, it doesn't mean it's going to be for you, is I find taking notes focuses me on what's being said. I find that doodling for me. When I was a sophomore in high school, um, they graded your notebooks. How evil is that? And you had to turn your notebook in, they graded my notebook, and they gave me like, I don't know what she gave me, it was a lowish grade. And uh, the whole class petitioned her to increase my grade because of my cool doodles. And I think she did, so that's a win. Um, Whatever it takes to help you focus, use that. But the other thing is, you need to highlight Scripture. You need to put notes in the margin. You need to let God speak to you and then put reminders, Ebenezer's, through your Bible of what he has said to you. Right? So, that's your, that's, your, uh, that's your challenge for next week. Bring your Bible or register for the Bible app and use it. So, here we are. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. What did we just talk about? Our will. His will. That's what we're talking about. Submit to God. Resist the devil. The devil is the enemy of God. And he's our enemy too. Okay, you have someone that doesn't want you to have your Bible today. Who do you think it is that doesn't want you to have your Bible today? Who do you think it is that doesn't want you to have your Bible app today? Who do you think it is that doesn't want you to pray, that doesn't want you to read, that doesn't want you to minister to somebody else? Who is that? That's the enemy, the devil, his fallen angels, and by the way, your flesh too. Your flesh too wants nothing. You're not going to... um, What's the word I'm looking for, Lord? It's not restore. We were just talking about AA. What, hap- what, it, what happens when you, get to, you, you start to get out of it? And you're, it starts with an R, right? Thank you. Uh, your flesh is not going to recover. Your flesh is dead. You have a new spirit, a quickened spirit. And you have a soul that now is the child of God. But your body, your flesh wants nothing to do with it and it never will. That's why the Bible says crucify your flesh. Put your flesh down. Don't listen to your flesh. Listen to the spirit. Let the spirit guide you, not your flesh. You follow? In Galatians it talks about there is a war within. The fallen nature is at war with your new nature. Let the new nature rule. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, resist your old nature, and the devil will flee from you. Then let me see this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That's hardcore, isn't it? I mean, the Bible's all lollipops and jelly beans and yellow brick roads, right? Like, um, but here we have James, the brother of Jesus, leader in the early church at Jerusalem. This was a man of God, thrown off of a high place, dashed on the ground, and then he didn't die, so they beat him to death. This was a man that stood for Jesus, that stood for God. And he wrote this book of James, and he says to us that if you are walking in sin, that you are not repentant of your sin, that you have become numb, whatever the case may be, that instead of being happy, right, instead of ignoring it, that we ought to be miserable, we ought to mourn, we ought to weep, we ought to, we ought to take that laughter and turn it to mourning and our joy to gloom, because walking in sin should not include joy. And for a believer that has the Holy Spirit within them, you've got to work to be happy if you're not walking with Him. And you're in rebellion. We're in rebellion. That, that, um, that's heartbreaking. He goes, he says, now, here's the good news. If you'll do that, you humble yourself before the Lord, you submit to God, and you say, you are God, I am not. Right? You are God, I am not. What will he do? He will exalt you. You know what that word means? Lift you up. He will pick you up. Anybody ever feel like they're drowning? Life is just coming in so hard and, and you have failed. You have made yourself miserable. You have, you have done things that you wish you'd never done. You have a life full of regret and you're just, you're just getting sucked down and and finally, you come to your senses, miserable, mourning, bruised and broken, as a believer. Like the prodigal son came to his senses. You say, Lord, I submit. Satan, get thee behind me. And what does the Bible say? All right, now, get up out of that pit. <laughs> Hit the showers. Is that, is that what he's talking about? Oh, he says he's going to pick you up. He pulls you out. He cleans you up. There was a story of a little girl in her Easter dress running around outside, and it just rained the day before, and so there was all these mud puddles. And her parents had told her, don't you go running outside near the mud puddles. You got your Easter dress on, which I guess is a thing. And um, so she runs around outside because she's a little girl, and she knows better. She's rebelling against her parents because she knows mommy and daddy said to do this, and she's not doing it, but she does it anyways, right? She's going and, and what does she do? Because she's a little girl, she trips and she falls. You could replace it with a boy if you want to, if you're feeling offended that only girls trip and fall. I know how it is these days. Uh, but I have two daughters and one son, and so I'm going to look at the little girl. She trips, she falls, boom. She doesn't just fall on the sidewalk. No, she falls in that mud puddle that her parents were specific about. Don't fall in the mud puddle. And now she's got her Easter dress, and it's full of mud, she skinned her knee, she's bleeding, and she's also freaking out because mom and dad told me not to run around next to the mud puddle, right? So she doesn't want to go talk to mom and dad, but she's crying because she's hurt herself, and she's just like, what am I going to do? And the beautiful thing about little kids is most of the time if they're really hurt, they're going to run to mom or dad, because why? 
let's just say if they have a good mom and dad, they're going to run to mom and dad because mom and dad are the ones that can pick them up, clean them up, bandage their knee, kiss it, make it better, whatever the case may be. The problem is, as kids get older, they stop doing that, right? Because I, I don't want mom and dad to know what I did, right? They try to cover it up. My brother Randy and I and Tracy, uh, my other brother used to wrestle. I'll say Tracy and Randy used to wrestle. Uh, they used to torment me, but they would wrestle each other. Uh, and there was one day, remember the day that, uh, was it Tracy that threw you into the wall or you that threw Tracy into the wall and you broke a hole in the wall about shoulder width? Which one did it? Do you remember? That was me. <laughs> well, what do you think my brothers did? And I probably masterminded it. We're not going to tell dad who has all sorts of experience fixing drywall and patching drywall. No, we're, we're going to take a poster And I mean, usually your posters are up here. I mean, it's pretty obvious when the poster's down here that something is wrong. But we're going to take a poster and we're going to put it right over that. And folks, that's what we do as believers. Sometimes we're so hurt, we're so broken, we're so wounded, we don't want to run back to God. We don't want to run back to our dad and ask him for help. We try to put the poster over it. We try to clean ourselves up. We try to get out of the puddle by ourselves. We go in the bathroom without our parents noticing it. And we take our Easter dress off and we're like scrubbing at the mud. And you know what happens when a little girl tries to clean her dress by herself in the bathroom? Some of you sound like you get it. Is she making a, uh, is she cleaning it or is she making more of a mess? Right? It originally was just this one spot on her knees, and now she's scrubbing it. And now it's all the way up the top of the dress, and now she's looking at it, and she's now making a bigger mess. This is what happens, believers, when we don't repent, when we don't mourn, when we don't allow our joy to turn into sorrow and our, and our laughter to turn into mourning. We, we, we try to clean ourselves up. We try to avoid God because we're so hurt, we're so broken, and we think for some reason that he doesn't want us. Hebrews chapter 4, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, in case you were wondering who he was, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Now, why do you think God put that in the Bible? Why do you think God is reminding us in a very emphatic and powerful way that we have a a God who understands what it's like to be tempted. Why did he bother to put in the word that he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses? Why do you think God put that in there? He knows us, and if we didn't think that he had sympathy and empathy for us, would we go to him? And this is the problem with preaching sin without mercy. If all you hear is the thunder from the pulpit of sin and you don't hear the glory, uh, glorious mercy of God, you're not going to run to Jesus. But here we have Jesus. Just sit on that a spell here. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows what it's like when you're drawn toward that sin like a moth to a flame. He has experienced it and he has said no to it. But he knows what it's like. He has sympathy for you. He has sympathy for me. 
And so because Jesus has sympathy for us and because Jesus died on the cross to take the penalty for our sin and rose from the grave, this next verse should give us incredible amounts of confidence. Therefore, let us... What's the word in highlight? Therefore, let us... Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with... With? With? Now, what is boldness? Thank you. Confidence. Courage. You come to the throne of grace with confidence, with courage, because you know the throne of grace wants you there. He understands. In fact, you're walking through the veil of the blood of Jesus. You're passing through the only thing that can clean you as you come into the throne of grace to obtain mercy, that forgiveness of your sin, and help so that you can walk free of it. And here's the thing. You approach that throne as much as possible. Whenever you need it, you just keep going. You keep coming and coming and coming to that throne of God. And so I'm going to break it down for you. These last two passages of Scripture, I know that I, I exposited as we were going through it, but... Let's break it down. Number one, draw near. We talked about approach here with confidence. And in James, he said, draw near. And so we should grieve over our sins. We should be breaking up that hard shell that we've allowed to coalesce around our hearts. The soft heart that God gave you when you were saved. You've got to break up the fallow ground, as it says in the Old Testament, so the good soil of that heart that God put into your chest, that new heart, can hear the Holy Spirit speaking. And the only way to do that, friends, is to draw near, mourn, weep, be broken over your sin because, listen, God, the sacrifices that God accepts are a contrite heart and a broken spirit. That's said in Psalms chapter 51. That is godly sorrow. That's what James is alluding to, godly sorrow. And so we draw near to God. That cannot be, uh, uh, Lord help me, that, that, that can't be emphasized enough that we must draw near. We, we must break through. The last few weeks I've been using this phrase, we must break through. Uh, this isn't some kind of uh, message from a, from a televangelist or a prosperity preacher. Oh, this is your breakthrough. No, you got to break through you. We're not wrestling with God to get God to accept us. Can I, can I emphasize that? We are not wrestling with God to get God to accept us. How do I know that? How do you know that? Is that something I've just made up? What did we just read? Anyone? It was the last slide. Draw near. What's the second part of that slide? What's the second part of that verse? And he will draw near to you. Draw near, and he will draw near. Approach with Boldness, which is confidence. Why should you be able to approach God with confidence? After you've blown it, after you've failed, again. Yeah, the same thing. Again, the promises. We have Jesus, the high priest, who sympathizes with us. He loves us. He knows what it's like. And so who are we, get, who are we trying to break through? What are we trying to break through in order to just get to that place? We're trying to break through us, and we're trying to break through the enemy. Folks, we got to break through. we got to repent, take hold of the hope that God is offering us. 
And this is so important when dealing with stubborn sin in your life. With stubborn sin in your life. And maybe, maybe I'm the only one here. I know I'm not, but maybe you don't think you have stubborn sin in your life. Maybe you think you don't have a besetting sin that you keep falling into and you're struggling, you hate yourself and all of that. Well, that is what you have to break through because to be free of that stubborn sin, friends, you've got to be in the presence of Jesus and you have to have the joy of Jesus to be free from stubborn sin because he is greater than any high you can experience when you are worshiping sin. You want a life without regret? You want a salvation of fellowship and effectiveness and joy? Then you have to break through you. You got to break through your own shame, your own guilt, your own desire for punishment, whatever it is that's preventing you from drawing near and enjoying Jesus. I know you're sitting here and you're like, but I don't enjoy, I, I don't, I don't deserve to enjoy Jesus. Anyone ever feel that way? I don't deserve to enjoy Jesus. You're right, you don't. Neither do I. But he has made us to enjoy himself and to be enjoyed by him. We are the joy of Jesus and Jesus should be our joy and that's how he wants it. And here's the counterintuitive thing. I firmly believe that the way to be free from that stubborn sin is to be enjoying Jesus. And it's counterintuitive, meaning that it doesn't seem to make sense to our intuition that we should just pray, be cleansed, walk into the presence of God, and enjoy Him. Because shouldn't we have to suffer? Shouldn't we, have to, shouldn't we have to flog ourselves to a certain degree? Shouldn't we feel bad enough? Shouldn't we? But the problem with that is that doesn't free you. In fact, the longer you stay away from the joy of Jesus, the more you're going to follow into the, fall into the false joy of sin. I firmly believe that. It's so important. We, we need to come to Jesus. We need to trust that he's there waiting for us. This is why God put this in the passage. Come with boldness. Oh, but I don't deserve it. But Jesus made you deserving. Come with boldness. Draw near. And so we're going to talk about something that I mentioned last week. And I put, and I put, um, hold on a minute. I put a, a, a stack of papers on the welcome table of the structure of this time with God, this, this, uh, this daily Sabbath. It builds on what Peter preached on. It's, a, it's really a prayer that I believe will help guide you through this process. I learned it when I went away to his high places as I was struggling deeply. And um, let's, let's talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit and the daily Sabbath. And so this is the challenge for you this week. Every day, whether it's in the morning Afternoon or evening. Will you commit to making time with God and walking through this prayer? The structure of this prayer. That is my challenge for you this morning. 
Commit to it. Don't be afraid. Don't be like the guy I used to work with. I was a lead fabricator installer at a company, and and uh, it was so busy we couldn't. It seems like we couldn't keep up, and so we had a big job. I think we'd work till six or something that night. And I looked at the guys and I said, uh, "We need to be here at four thirty tomorrow morning to wrap this up, so the guys installing it aren't stuck working till ten o'clock tomorrow." Makes sense. Think about the guy behind you, right? So I had this one guy. Everybody's like, "Yeah, I'll be here at four thirty or five or whatever it was." And then I had this one kid. He's like, I'll, I'll try to be there. I'll try to be there. And I was like, what do you mean you try to be there? Just say I'm going to be there. Well, uh, I don't want to say I'm going to be there because what if I don't make it? What if I oversleep? Or what if I... I'm like, no, don't oversleep. Be here. Well, I don't, I don't want to say I'm going to be here because maybe I won't make it. Commit. Commit. This is a young man that was 21 years old and didn't have his license. It's not surprising to me that he wasn't able to commit because he was afraid. Commit to this church. Will you commit to this with me? Let's come to the Lord. Let's pray. Let's be filled with the Spirit. Let's put aside our own will and let's embrace the will of God for our lives. Let's come into the presence of Jesus and enjoy Him this week. Would you do that with me? The church needs joyful Christians. Can you understand that? The church needs joyful Christians. Do you know how bizarre it would be for all of the Christians in the world to be walking in the joy of Jesus? You know how strange that would be to everyone? How many of you think that would be strange? Not just America, but the world. How many of you think that would be really strange? Yeah, I was little for America. But folks, sincere, not fake joy. You've met those fake Christians. I know you have. Maybe you're one of them. I can't stand fake Christians. I mean nuts. I mean genuine joy of Jesus. So I hope you'll commit with me. So number one, we must pray effectively. I know it's like number 10, but let's just pretend the sermon just started. We must pray effectively. No more of this uh, praying with half a heart, half a mind, not focusing. Now, I mentioned, I asked a question a moment ago, how many guys have ADHD? And some of you guys were courageous enough to raise your hand. Listen, ADD is not a big deal. Some of the most successful people in the world have ADD. You just need to learn how to manage it and stop using it as an excuse. Now, I know that sounds hard, but it's coming from somebody that has ADD. All right, maybe you have meds, maybe you don't, maybe you're trying to tough it out. I don't care, but use it as a gift from God. So when I go to pray, and I need to work through this process, I will often sit at my computer with a document open, and I will type my prayer, a letter, to Jesus. Can I tell you that, for me, that's effective. Because otherwise, my mind is going, sing, soon, sing. And I think about paid in full. Oh, yeah, it's paid in full. Next thing I know, I'm going down this rabbit trail and I forgot that I'm confessing my sin to Jesus, or I start thinking about ministry in church, and I'm, I'm like walking through this. My mind just goes off into ministry, and I'm like, no, you're supposed to be 
focused on this. And so whatever it takes for you to focus, focus, okay? Um, we may have a time of wrestling before we can really get into repentance and confession. Some of that wrestling is going to get through. It's what we talked about a moment ago. It's breaking through you. It's breaking through spiritual wickedness in high places. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You want to come to Jesus and you want to enjoy Jesus, you've got to break through you and you've got to break through them. As you get to the end of this passage on the armor of God, he says, and pray for me. So we're wrestling with wickedness in order to get into that presence of God. We're not wrestling with God. Make, listen, I can't make it clear enough. You're not wrestling with God to get him to listen to you. He wants to hear from his children. That little girl that fell and, and tried to clean her own dress up. You know, the only person that could pick her up, that could exalt her, that could lift her up, that could bandage her knee, that could wash her dress effectively, the only person that could do that was mom and maybe dad. She couldn't do it herself. We need to get into that presence of God. We need to, we need to push aside those thoughts. We need to push aside those, those doubts. We need to push aside the enemy's distractions. And we need to get into the presence of God. Stop giving up. Stop wallowing. Stop listening to the enemy. God wants you in his throne room. He wants your presence in his presence. So we go to daily worship. Peter really camped on this a little bit in his series. And, and one of the ways that perhaps you should start your time of prayer, and it's a confessional prayer, is uh, with worship. And when I used to meet with Sam uh, before my counseling session, the first thing in the morning he would come up and, and we would talk and he would, he would say, uh, well, let's, let, me, let me ask you something. What is, what is a blessing that you have? Share with me th three blessings and and sometimes it was tough to come up with three. Can I, can I be transparent with you a little bit today? When I went down to his high places a couple of years ago, I had to take an, uh, an evaluation intake paperwork. And one of the things that I had to do and I had to work with Sam on was, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how close, are you, how close do you feel to God? On a scale of one to ten, how close do you feel to God? Do you know what I put down as your pastor? Anybody guess? wasn't that bad. <laughs> I put a three. I was at a three. That's a tough place to be when you're pastoring. It's very difficult. That's why I went away. I was at a three. The wrestling to get into the presence of God was overwhelming. And uh, I, was giving, I was giving up. I was at a three. And Sam said, by the time you leave here, you're going to be at eight or nine. And I said, we'll see. Because I was at a three. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. In uh, in fact, when I walked into the building, um, Sam and his wife Anita greeted me. And they greeted me like this. Eric, we've been expecting you. We love you. I love you, Eric. Come here. Jesus loves you. Give me a hug. I'm at a three. I don't want hugs. You don't know me. How can you love me? That's what's going through my mind. And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, thank you. I love you too. So Sam would come up to my room. That's where we had our 
meetings, and he would say, give me three things that you can, you can praise God for. And sometimes it was something as simple as I woke up today. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my kids. Sometimes there was just nothing much, but I'm breathing today. And then he would say, do you have any prayer requests? And I said, well, for all this, right? And Kirsten was having struggles with her psychosis when I went away, and that's how awesome my wife is. She said, if you need to go, go. I have Suzanne with me. <laughs> and uh, if I need to go to the doctor, she'll go with me. And I said, okay, I'll go. And... Um, so I would thank God for my wife, and I would ask for him to pray for Kirsten. Yeah, she, tack, she has tachycardia, and, uh, and then another prayer request. And then he would share his joys, and he would share his prayer requests, and then we would pray for each other, and we would worship before God. And, and he would bring his iPhone up, and he would play a worship song. He said, let's just, listen to, let's just sit and listen to this. Let's worship God with this. And we would just worship quietly. What a great way to start your day is to put a worship song on and to think of something that you are grateful for, right? So start with daily worship. The Bible says in, in John that they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. There is corporate worship and there is personal worship and both are indispensable in the lives of believers. Corporate worship is when we come together as a church, we gather and we worship together. And we are united in our faith. And, and personal worship is, well, it's personal. It's personal. Some of our worship can be done like that. Some of it could just be done by getting up and being silent before the Lord. Some of you people are outdoorsmen. Uh, some people can worship God best when, personally, when they're just going, hey, I'm going to go for a little hike. I'm going to go for a walk. Some of us are artists. And maybe you worship the Lord by by doing a painting or a drawing or something expressing yourself. But worship him. Find a way to transcend where you're at in the moment and worship the Father. So now, repentance and confession. Again, this is out there on the desk for you. We've been talking about repentance and restoration. This is it. Repentance and confession. Don't hedge. Don't make excuses. For your sin. Now let me say there's, sometimes there's reasons for our sin. But reasons are not excuses. Okay? You come to God and you give it over to Christ. Let me, let me, let me say this. He has paid for your sin. Can I say it again? He has paid for your sin. What does that mean? What does it mean? He owns it. He owns your sin. So when you keep your sin and you hold on to it, you're stealing from Jesus. Because he paid for it, and he owns it, and he put it in his body on the tree, it says in 1 Peter. Stop stealing from Jesus and give him the sin that he paid for. You know, there's people that would buy slaves. They would buy slaves for one reason. Not to have a slave, but to free the slave. You got it? Thank you, Lord. That was good. I know, I just shut off my...
my thing. Whoops. So, we come to God, and I want you to come to God, and I want you to think of the cross. I want you to come to the cross, and I want you to see the blood of Jesus flowing down from the cross. As you bring this sin that you know is in your life, I want you to think of the cross, I want you to think of the blood, and I want you to recognize that that blood is the only thing that can make you clean. The only thing that can make you clean. Nothing else can. You bring that sin and you place it under the blood of Jesus and you declare it to be paid in full because Jesus paid for it. The penalty is gone. You ask the Lord to, to, to cleanse you of this sin and to remove your chastening, his chastening of you as he sees fit. But you take that sin and you just put it under the blood of Jesus. And as you put it under the blood of Jesus, I want you to declare it paid in full. Lord, this has been paid in full. The blood has covered this sin. I know what I did was wrong. I make no excuses for it. And I'm asking you to forgive me and to cleanse me. Lord, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. And I thank you in Jesus' name. I breathe out this sin. Amen. That's the first step. That's the first part. Every day, every day, think about what you have fallen into, what you know that you have fallen into. And when the sin comes back to your mind again, because it will, because we have an enemy, the sin will come back to your mind. And you have the flesh. What I want you to envision, and if you can't envision this, I recently found out because Nick wrote a paper on it, some people can't envision things. They're not visual thinkers. So in your case, I would say print out something that says paid in full. Print it out. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on the mirror in the bathroom. Print it out, and it says paid in full. Put it in your wallet. Make a little card. Laminate it. And when the thought comes back to you, you take the card out and you say, oh, it's been paid in full. Can I get an amen on that? It has been paid in full. Now, the second thing you're going to do, papers in the back, is you're going to do this. You're going to say, Lord, search me, O God. Search me, O God. And this is in Psalms, chapter 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. This is Scripture. Search me, O God. The psalmist cried out, search me, O God. And so now you're going to take a minute and you're going to pause. And, and this is where Peter was talking about we listen for God now. We listen to God. This is our time to just stop, breathe, empty your mind. Don't fabricate sins. Right? You've already done that part. You've already confessed everything that you can think of. It's already been done. This is not you trying to think of sin. Okay? You've done that in the first part. This is you being still before God saying, God, did I miss anything that I need to confess? Did I miss anything? Is there anything I missed? And I know this about God is he loves you and he wants to talk to you. And if there's a sin that he wants you to confess, he will bring it up to you and you will know it. 
I can't stand people that play games. God doesn't play games. You sit before God for about 60 seconds and you say, Lord, I know that you want me to know what I, what I need to confess, and so I'm asking you the best way I know how. Search me. And then you just rest before the Lord. And again, I know those of us with, um, with some ADD, this is probably the most difficult thing for me to do is this part of the prayer. is to sit there and try not to think of anything. Um, find something that works for you. I play music. I found that I can't play worship music with lyrics. I have to play instrumental music. And sometimes I have to play ambiguous instrumental music because if it's a song I know, well, then I start singing the song. And I'm supposed to be still before the Lord, allowing him to search me and bring to my mind. Now, what happens when he brings something to your mind? Eric, you, you yelled at your wife. And I forgot about that. But what do you do then? Back to step number one. You confess it. You bring it under the blood of Jesus. No sin is too small to place under the blood of Jesus and declare it paid in full. No sin is too small. Once we've done that, um, one thing that Sam taught me, I don't see it in Scripture, but it was very helpful. Focus, concentrate, take a deep breath. And I'm breathing out that sin. I'm spelling it from my life, Lord. You, it is yours now. And I'll just take a deep breath and breathe out. Helps focus. We will end on this last point. Be filled. Be filled. Now, I went away to his high places, and our very first session together was the first night I was there, and he said, okay, we're going to talk about, and we talked about this prayer, and he said, uh, I'm going to talk about being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I said, well, you should know I'm a Baptist. So I'm out of three, but I know better than you, because I'm a Baptist. And he said, well, if I can show you Scripture, will you at least agree to consider it and try it? I'm like, absolutely. I got nothing to lose at this point. So, have at it. And so he shared scripture with me. Now, I already knew being filled is a, is a biblical thing, but I was just wanting to make sure he wasn't going to have me spitting with nickels out of my mouth and raising the dead and stuff. But um, if God wants you to raise the dead, and he, want, he does it, not, not you, but I don't think that's active for today. So we take a time now. We've washed at the cross. We've confessed known sin. We've allowed the Lord to bring other sins to our mind, and we've confessed those as well. And now we close in prayer and obey a command by claiming the promise from the Lord. So, the command is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 21, but we'll focus here. It is a command, be not drunk with wine. As a matter of fact, Paul says, be care- pay careful attention then how you walk. Not as an unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. He goes on and he says, don't get drunk with wine. Those of you wondering if drunkenness is a sin, yes it is. This is a command from God. Do not get drunk with wine, period. Don't get drunk with wine. Which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's, there's a connection there because when you're drunk with wine, you are out of your own control. Your inhibitions are often lifted. When you're drunk, your troubles for a moment, perhaps, are forgotten because you're inebriated. Now, when you're filled with the Spirit, 
It's very similar. You're to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You're to bring all of your troubles and trials and sorrows to the Holy Spirit where he will help you bear them. Okay? You follow when Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. There's a connection there. There's a connection there. Instead of false joy of inebriation, there is true joy of being in the presence of Jesus. It's an amazing thing. So that's a, that's a command. Be filled. It's a command. And here's the promise. Luke chapter 11. If a son asks for an egg, will his father offer him a scorpion? No. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Is that a promise? Wherever you see a command, I want you to think about this. Maybe write in the margins of your Bible somewhere. Wherever you see a command from God, it's also a promise from God. Faithful is He who calls you, who will also do it. If it's a command, there's a promise. If he says be filled, that means you can be filled. And so we go before God now and we claim the promise. We claim the promise. We ask for the gift of the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Say, Lord, now I come before you and I claim this promise of the filling of the Holy Spirit. I know that it is not because I deserve it, it's because you promised it. And I know, Lord, without the filling of the Spirit, I cannot keep my commitments. Without the filling of the Spirit, I cannot walk in the glorious freedom that you have given me. Without the filling and the presence of the Spirit, I will not have joy. I will not be an effective Christian in the world without the filling of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Z used to say this, Pastor Clow used to say this, and Sam said this. We need to come to God every day for filling because we leak. Now, as a believer, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. If you don't have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, sealing you, you're not a Christian. But there's a difference between the indwelling of God and the filling of God. God's in the house, but he's not in every room. Lord, fill this whole space. And I want to talk a minute about this. It's not just, Lord, give me the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, with your presence. Too many people are, oh, Lord, give me the power of the Holy Spirit. Dude, just give me the Holy Spirit. He'll take care of the rest. Just give me the Holy Spirit. Power comes with them, but I need the presence. I need his presence. And then I would say this as the worship team comes forward. Be filled, don't wait. And this is an area where I find that I failed in. I will come to the Lord in the morning and I would ask Him to fill me. And as I'm asking Him to fill me, I'm breathing in the Holy Spirit. Now these are just breathing exercises, but again, I think they help focus us. And I say, Lord, I receive Your Holy Spirit. Thank You. Now, Belief is important because feelings will try to convince you that you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. You're like, I don't feel any different. Or maybe you've confessed your sins and you say, well, I don't feel forgiven. 
Maybe you didn't feel sorry enough for your sins. Well, that's part of the wrestling, isn't it? I don't feel sorry enough. One of the things that my counselor said was, Eric, um, the emotions will catch up to the truth. If there is something that you are convicted about and you know you're out of the will of God or you know that you have sinned, don't wait till you feel bad about it. You know it's wrong. Come to Jesus. The emotions will follow. And when you come to Jesus, then it's marked paid in full. It's paid in full and it doesn't matter whether you feel it or not. Leave it there under the blood of Jesus. The same thing with the Holy Spirit. I'm coming to the Holy Spirit. People equate the Holy Spirit with emotion, don't they? Oh, so filled with the Spirit. It's so wonderful. But the problem with emotions is that they're not always accurate. (laughs) Oh, I'm in love with this girl. She's everything. Oh, my gosh. You know, I know Jesus walked on water, but she was just maybe an inch below the surface. Like she was watching, she's just like walking on the water, but a little bit underneath. I mean, Jesus is here. She's like here. She's so amazing. I just love her so much. And then like two years later, you're like, I don't really love her that much. Uh, feelings come and go. Emotions change. You need truth. And so when you pray for the filling of the Spirit, believe it. Believe that you have received it. But then this, don't wait. You go through the day and you begin to realize that your mind is wandering toward ungodly, unhealthy, wicked things. You find that your mind is wandering in these directions and maybe even your feet start to follow your mind because your mind is a train track that the trolley of your life rides upon. So your mind starts to go into these same, same old familiar places. It may be that you need the feeling of the Spirit right then and there. Recognize as you're going through the day where you are allowing yourself to take control back. Say, Lord, no, fill me, fill me, fill me. And then walk in the presence of Jesus and His Holy Spirit. Oh. These papers are on the desk out back, the welcome table as you come in under the TV. Take them. Use them. Commit them to memory. Just the headings should help you remember the sections. Repent and confess. Search me, O God. Be filled. Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.